Hello, Michael here with a quick disclaimer. The episode that you are about to listen to was originally recorded as a live event, meaning that it was recorded and streamed over our Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash the RPG Academy, or broadcast as a live event or recorded as a live event for our YouTube page, which is youtube.com slash the RPG Academy. Hopefully you will understand why the audio quality of this episode is not quite up to the same standards you have come to appreciate and expect from our show. Thanks, and enjoy the show. All right, the light is green, the trap is clean, we should be live, so hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast Twitch stream. My name is Michael, and we are here tonight for a detention live with special guest host Andrew and special guest co-host Ryan. Everyone wave at the screen and to the people who are there, maybe not there. Uh, if you're first time to detention, this is more of our somewhat after dark uh, talk showy type podcast. We have some segments, we have some bits that we do, but ideally at some point we'll say something that might be relevant to you and your table that you can take back to your games and make your games more fun, but I'm not going to promise that. Uh, welcome Foxblade, happy to have you with us, and Andrew, we'll start with you. Extracurricular, what you been up to buddy? What do you want to talk about? Uh, great, yeah. Um, what have I been up to? I've been playing a lot of uh, old NES games. Uh, on the Me switch too. <laughs> <laughs> no, i know uh and i'll be playing them on the switch uh, um if you have the online you just get like access to a bunch of nes super nes games uh so i have not been playing the classics as you have been uh doing regularly um i've been playing really obscure weird games i've never heard of or played before um primarily at the moment vice colon project doom okay which, oh, I, I never heard of it either but it reminds me of, of the one. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game with the very bad underwater level. Oh yeah, that was awful. Right. Oh gosh. Yeah, it's the exact yeah. same kind of game. And I, I wonder well, which of them came first because they definitely have like stolen aspects from another. I mean, they're both stealing from like Castlevania a little bit, but yeah, I'm playing really bad old NES games. Uh, I recommend I recommend Vice Project Do. It's it's bad and but fun to be good at. All right, fair fair enough. Anything else going on? I mean, I could I could talk about anything all day long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I uh, uh, we've been playing a lot of Animal Crossing. Um, uh, I which one? Paper Mario, the Origami King. Yes, thank you. Off screen, off screen wife. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's 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 good. It's really strange. Um, not like the last one I played was the one for the GameCube, uh, Thousand Year Door, which is a masterpiece. Uh, so. We just watched, like we watched, been watching Big Bang Theory. Not really watching it, just kind of having it on. So I don't generally like it, but it's the stuff that I like. Like, oh yeah, that was actually a really good. Bit. That's a fun reference. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to just kind of have on for background uh, radiation. Well, very cool. Well, thank you very much for joining us tonight. And just in case someone isn't familiar with you, you've been part of the Academy for a while, not active in a lot of ways, but you've done some very fundamental things like our trial of Wushu. But uh, where could people find you on the internet if they want to check out some of your other stuff? Uh, yeah, I guess I should say my, yeah, I am Andrew Young. Uh, I'm on Twitter at that1gm. Um, I Mostly just retweet stuff, um, but I also have a, an itch.io page, such as that one gm.itch.io. Uh, I've got a bunch of free games, a couple you can pay for, um, but like 
Forshaw comes in a vampire you might have heard of, uh, or uh, Laser Space, the final, cha final chapter, which is a Star Wars, make your own Star Wars game. Uh, your uh, expletive deleted ex-boyfriend, which is a super combat heavy uh, game about a punk band just beating up a bunch of dudes across town. A bunch of others, there's a Scooby-Doo knockoff, there's a Cosmic Horror knockoff, uh, there's a, a Homeward Bound style game. So just a bunch of just little silly micro RPGs. All right. So yeah, that's me and my Very whole cool. shtick. I think we have uh, links disabled, but if you want to throw your link in there and then just don't like put the dot in a parentheses, that way if somebody wants to like copy and paste it and go there, they can. Uh, before we go to Ryan, I want to welcome New York Tater. He's one of our longtime followers, friends, uh, also patrons and uh detention is kind of one of his favorites and i'll be perfectly honest one of the bigger reasons we started doing this again is because he kept bugging me about when it was coming back so you're welcome uh so ryan tell us about what's going on with you yes. extracurricular man oh man um a whole lot of adulting um so the fun of the things but um, i guess i don't know i was telling you guys before we started uh we got a pool so i'm dealing with getting that um done all the pools around our area due to you know not fun life uh are shut down so we've got our own uh or we'll have it soon trying to get that settled um as far as is gaming and stuff um we've done we played a few sessions of Dragonfire on tabletop simulator which is great i enjoy that uh, my wife and i just finished um binging uh, the netflix series queen of the south um which i wasn't expecting to like that as much um i don't get into like i'm more of a fantasy guy this is um violence drug cartel kind of thing and uh a, a woman like learning the ropes and taking control um which was actually pretty um it was different so it was pretty cool i guess in my mind um waiting on a fifth season uh, what else have we finished lately we finished the last kingdom um which was really good waiting on that uh and i just watched the first episode of cursed um on netflix i don't know first episode not bad it's got a good tease to it so we'll see if that uh good other than that um playing games with my kids um they're, they're doing a lot of minecraft i don't know they got back into a minecraft binge so they've been doing that um and then i just got my mystery my dmd theros book in the mail today so i'm excited for that so i'll be digging into that shortly yeah uh, yes that beauty so um again most people hopefully know what i've been up to because i tell them all the time on twitter mm -hmm. uh but i've been replaying some classic nintendo games as well on on the twitch uh, every monday through friday the time has fluctuated a little bit but i try to do it around 11 each day uh today the internet did not work for me but i finished Final Fantasy, that took like 21 sessions. Uh, Legend of Zelda took me 10. And then I just started Metroid, did the third session today, which again, didn't really stream because it was, uh, the internet sucked. But it's going rough. Like I died, not even kidding, like 12 times in a row. Uh, so it's, it's, it's fun, but it's also very frustrating. It's like, it's a game that reminds me, I used to throw controllers. I, I do not do that now. I've, I've aged past <laughs> that, but sometimes I get close even now. Uh, Cause it's just, wow, that game is so frustrating. Uh, but Ryan mentioned it. Yeah. But tabletop simulator, that's probably the big thing I would want to talk about this week is 
I, ha- I got it like, I don't know, two or three months ago just to sort of try it out. One of our other faculty members, Michael uh, Varieger, one on Twitter, he plays on there a lot. And it just sort of just sat on Steam. I didn't really use it. I tried, we tried to play Zombicide once and it was very fiddly and I didn't really like it. And then someone told me that um, Dragonfire was on there as a workshop. And I don't know anything about Steam. I don't know anything about Tabletop Simulator. So, I, again, I apologize if I am promoting piracy. But it's free if you have Tabletop Simulator. It's really fun. It's really fun. Now, I own literally everything for Dragonfire because I'm OCD. And I have all my cards and they're labeled and they're in color-coded sleeves. So I feel okay that I'm using this free version because I have already given the money to the company. But there's a whole bunch of games that are on there that are free to play through the workshop. And I found that Marvel Legendary, which is like one of my absolute favorite games that I love to play. And I love to play it just solo. And it's easier to play online because when you're done, you don't have to put your cards up. Uh, so I've been playing that a ton. And then Chris from Redemption, he really likes that game. So he and I played that like five times in like the last three or four days. And we had somebody join the Discord and we taught them how to play. So yeah, I've been just like, all in on TTS. Uh, we even have a channel now on Discord that's just for organizing TTS games. And then Friday, I'm supposed to play Eldritch Horror with Michael because that's like his favorite game of all time. And I'm looking forward to that as well. So TTS, j- jump on our Discord and then jump on TTS and let's play some games and hopefully not do anything illegal. I don't think we are, but I don't know. Uh, and then also I've been running a bunch of one shots for a bunch of other games, Forbidden Lands, uh, Marvel superheroes. Again, I got the Theros book. I was lucky enough. I got a review copy. So we're going to be doing a in-depth review of that, uh, probably in the next couple of weeks, including we're also doing one for Forbidden Lands. We're scheduling that right now as well. But yeah, so there's a lot going on. I I'm busier now than I was before I stopped working. Good news is most of it's fun. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, again, that, that's the thing is that it's like the feeling I get is like I was a terrible student in high school. Like I was like a C minus, bottom ten percent of high school. I was, I'm a smart guy. I just did not like high school. I didn't like being told what to do. I have a problem with authority. And when I went to college, and I suddenly had control, like I picked the classes I wanted to go to. I picked when they were. I picked which teachers I wanted. And I was nearly a straight A student in college. I was on the dean's row and honors roll almost every semester because having the control just worked for me. And that's kind of what I feel like I am now. I still do a lot of stuff, but it's all things I want to do. I'm choosing to do them. I don't get paid for them other than, you know, the little bit we get from Patreon and stuff like that. So it's not really work. But as busy as I am, I enjoy doing all of it, and it's all fun. And I also have a Smallville podcast. So if you like Smallville find that because i also do that which adds to my stress uh new york Tater, what's this dice bag in chat so i'm trying to keep up with chat as we go um and i'm jumping back and forth so what michael what's the dice bag he's talking about do you know anything about that i don't remember either so i'm probably offending him so i don't know maybe did, did you give me a dice bag that i've thrown into my catacomb stuff uh-oh is it a dice? Ba- is it a dice bag that that your tater wants? Maybe that they're waiting to get from you to, to oh, make the opportunity to snatch it. That that is that's what it is. Uh, he won a contest, <laughs> and I owe him a dice bag and a set of dice. 
But I was supposed to bring it to the faculty retreat, which didn't happen. And I was supposed to bring it to a catacomb, and that's not going to happen either. Uh, so I do still owe him a dice bag, a set of dice, and a Cthulhu. Is this one of, is this one of our uh, leather-bound uh, Academy stamped ones? Uh, well, the one he actually won is the Bagthulhu one that uh, Wayward Mask put together. She's done a couple of Kickstarters, and she sent us a bunch last year. If you remember, they look like... They're called dragon baggins. They kind of look like a dragon, and you open up a yes, set, like yes. a Pez dispenser. Uh, yeah. But I Your have not letting you forget this. He's in the chat, reminding yeah. you what it was like. I'm, the color is coming next. Oh, he's yeah. on it, man. I, and happily, will and again, if I need to, I'll mail it to you because again, I thought we were going to have a catacon. But I'll send you one of our leather ones too because I have a whole box of those still. Um, <laughs> I'm sitting on those. I mean, you know, wait time, right? Interest, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> the juice is flowing. Yes. Excellent. So with that out of the way, we're going to move into our first improv game, and it is 10 Things. And this is a game where we prompt one another to try to come up with 10 things that match our prompt. The The importance is immediacy, so it doesn't matter if it's an actual really good example of that. It's just can you how fast can you get to 10? So, Andrew, you're technically our special guest co-host, so you can choose right. to go first, second, or third, and then... Depending on where you go, we can you can determine who gives you a prompt or if you who you give the prompt to. I would like to go second because I don't remember the rules for this, and so I would love someone else to go. Well, this is the easier of the two, so I don't want to go last because I don't want people to end on mine. All right, so So I definitely go second. So I will prompt Ryan first. Ryan will go. Ryan will prompt you. You will go, and then you can prompt me. That sounds great. Okay, so um. We usually try to, to tool it to what we've been doing or something recent. Yeah, we. Uh, but that's all. But it could be completely out of the ordinary too. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. But I, I try to tie it back to something that we've talked about or that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> New York Times like, don't worry, they didn't remember either two weeks ago. Um, all right, Ryan. So we talked about okay. What are ten games that you hope we find on TTS Workbench that we can play for free? Oh gosh. Um, uh, let's see here on the workbench. That could be anything. Um, all right, ready and uh, contra. What's well, probably already on there, but there's one. Um, Cards against humanity because that would be great to play with you, lunatics. Two. Um, let's see here. Uh, the X Men game. We mentioned Ninja Turtles earlier. Okay. Um, Oh gosh, uh, old school. Sorry, would be hilarious. All right. Um, let's see here. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, how, how goofy would Battleship be? Um, <laughs> That'd be fun. You sink my yeah. Battleship. Um, King uh, King of Tokyo. My kids have been been digging that. We love that. Um, I think that so I'm uh, at six, you're at seven. So I don't know what happened there. I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> I stopped uh, you're, counting. You got the official count. Um, so uh, five minute Marvel. Uh, we play that with a family. Let's see. I'm trying to think of what else. That one is on there, by the way. Is it really? Okay, but I have no idea how it would work because TTS um, is too slow. It'd be like four yes. hour Mar- uh, Marvel. Anyway, keep going. You got two more. <laughs> this is not immediate at all. No. Um, oh my gosh. Um, Something silly like hearts, which is ridiculous. Yeah, one um, more. And uh, my favorite would be uh, trying to think of something co-op-y, uh, and I really can't. 
um oh my god uh monopoly monopoly yay yeah that was the worst 10 things ever those were Our, 10 uh, two weeks things. ago it was so much better yes it was so much better last week that all right was, so right you need more beer or <laughs> not <laughs> or, you, you get to prompt andrew for his 10 things faster. Oh, we're taking drinks. Everybody's taking a drink. I did not Um, mention the session that shall not be named because then we have to take a drink, but that'll probably come up later. Yeah, probably. Um, All right, let's see here. Andrew. um, So um, we were talking earlier about, um, you mentioned that you haven't played a lot of uh, 5e because we're talking, mentioned the new Theros book. So uh, how about um, 10 uh, systems or games that you played most recently, just in uh, general? Okay, great. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons 3.5. Uh, I have played, well, I'll, I have played fifth edition. We just never went past level one and we stopped paying attention to the rules. So two. <laughs> two. Uh, <laughs> Wushu obviously played as often as I possibly can. Three. Uh, Four Shock Comes a Vampire. I've only played that twice. Um. Uh. Oh gosh, I have not played that many games in a long time. Um. Uh, yeah. Uh. Just role playing games or any tabletop games. Anything. Yeah. Great. Okay, I'll start listing off tabletop games now. Then. Um. Pandemic. It's bad. It's a bad play right now. Five. Um. Takenoko. Wait. Is that the panda? Six. Panda bamboo game. Uh, Takenoko. Um. Uh. King of Tokyo. Right, so, uh, Morels, a co-op mushroom gathering game. Love that one. Um, Anima, Shadow of Mega, like my favorite card game, and uh, the Firefly board game takes up like eight cubic yeah. yards. Yeah. Yeah. Ten. That there was ten, ten things. things. Ten things. <laughs> much much quicker than mine. <laughs> I had to change categories halfway through though. So, <laughs> all right, uh, Michael. Yes, sir. Uh, a lot of movies out there, right? Yeah. A lot of movies based on classic. Board games, though. Battleship, Clue, uh-huh. Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, what are 10 board games that you think need to be made into feature-length films? They don't have to be classic, just board games. Dragonfire. Marvel Legendary, because that's just <laughs> the Marvel Universe. Um, yeah. I could do, I could watch a panda eat some bamboo, so Takanoko. Um, I'm trying not to look at my shelf. Uh, Scooby-Doo. Betrayal of Mystery Mansion, because I love the idea of Scooby-Doo actually being somewhat serious. Um, you mean an actual real Scooby-Doo movie? That's good. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, Pandemic, because why not? Sure. I mean, it's right now. It's the time for that. Uh, Hanabi, because I want to see how they turn that into a screenplay. <laughs> um, Eldritch, blind. Eldritch Horror, because, you know, we need more Cthulhu mythos in the world. Um, oh... Crud. Okay, I'm going to cheat and look. Uh, Ticket to Ride, because it'd be like Murder on the Orient Express. Oh, that movie's so good. Uh, and Spyfall, because that's just a fun game. One more. Uh, Root, because who doesn't like anthropomorphic animals killing each other? things. It was 30 things in sets of 10. Yes. And welcome, Tad. Tad, Tad B91. That's, that's pretty funny. 
I, I, I chose to ignore that one. All right, so let's move into <laughs> sort of the meat and potatoes Sorry, of this particular show. And it's called Used Books. And the idea here is that one of us, generally it's our <laughs> guest co-host, will talk about a campaign that they have played in previously in the past, or maybe they ran in the past. And there's something in particular about this campaign that informed future campaigns. Something that went really well that they stole and they used another game. Something went poorly that they've tried to avoid or similar. So, Andrew, again, you are our guest co-host. So do you have a campaign you'd like to talk about? I do. Um, it doesn't really have a name. Uh, I played it while I worked for the, uh, ran it rather, where I worked for the Yellow Pages group, in, uh, the, which is the Canadian Yellow Pages. So all my files are titled YPG RPG. So that's the only name that it has. Okay. Uh, um, but okay, so uh, the campaign uh, almost 10 years ago, uh, I ran it. So what's, uh, what system it? was it? Uh, this was uh, Dungeons Dragons 3.5. Okay. Um, and we had four or five players. Um, we did cycle uh, one or two players in around a couple of times. Uh, we had a gentleman who had never played D&D before and did spend a whole evening once arguing that his monk should be able to do multiple attacks after a move because then he, and then he wanted to show me how, like, he's like, look, cause look, I can do it. He tried to run. I'm like, it's like, Oh, one of those. <laughs> uh, so he didn't last super long, but uh, it was a great campaign. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It's actually, we got a conclusion. We did like an epilogue at the end of it. Uh, characters got things they wanted. Um, but uh, I think the, one of my favorite things about it was I gave out a lot of, a lot of magic items. Um, I had an NPC, the quest, the main quest giver had a, just a giant chest full of garbage. And so every time they came to see him after accomplishing something or they needed help, he would just dig into his, his open his giant chest and just dig around and like throw garbage things out. Of course, I spent the in-between sessions designing these specific magic items for each character. Um, but it was little things, right? So uh, uh, like a quiver that, I mean, it was like a, a quiver that had like generated you know five wind arrows or something a day like it was just little made up magic items they weren't even things from the from the dungeon master's guide or from the big book of treasures um and then uh a lot of callbacks i realize a lot of good campaigns have callbacks where you see npcs recurring multiple times and and people get to new situations but um <laughs> uh we did a side story uh once with uh because none of the players only one player could make it um and i'm like well we'll just play with we'll just do a, a little story with your character and we won't give them you know you'll you won't earn xp it'll be like a flashback story or something mm -hmm. whatever we'll just have fun um and it was just like a dinner party mystery um so there wasn't it's really even any combat in it but the villain that i designed for it was really loathsome uh very very rude very uh like hateful <laughs> um very tricky um and he escaped uh he he was thwarted but he did manage to escape and and boy the player hated him so much uh so when it came time for the big climactic she spent the whole next session like before, like when the next way recap recapping this whole session to everybody like okay guys here's what i did last time i didn't affect what we're doing right now but oh my god i gotta tell you about this because i hate this guy so much <laughs> Um, so when it came to the time for the big finale, uh, of course he was waiting in the like antechamber of the boss chamber to 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 thwart them. And I had plenty of time to build this character as a like duelist with a bunch of I think like skill tricks from one of the one of the three point five splat books. Uh, one one of the of, many. Like, one of the many. A bunch yeah. of 
uh, one of the like the combat style feats. They gave up a bunch of weird like abilities, just stuff that was stuff that I built in like a player character, but I gave him a bunch of stuff that none of the other players that ever would have ever heard of or seen before. Um, so like he faked his own death because one of his things was like he takes more than ten points of damage, he can roll a bluff check and like fall to the ground prone and uh appear for all intents and purposes like unconscious or dead. Until <laughs> so he waited till the rest of the room and then he he jumped up and like attacked the last person in the party again. Oh. It was great. It was fantastic. Um jerk he, move. Sounds like a guy I'd like to hate. Yeah. <laughs> Very hateable, eminently hateable. So nice. yeah, I can, okay. I can talk about that campaign all night, but it, it's mostly just anecdotes unless I don't have any other useful bits, I don't think. Well, one thing I want to mention, completely irrelevant to our current conversation, is Tom is here in spirit because he's the one who helped me do this. Like if you notice that our stream actually looks semi-professional. He also set up Twitch alerts. So if anybody in chat that is not already following us would like to, we get to see a pretty little thing pop up and tell us that so-and-so is following us. Um, if anybody wants to like cheer bits, I don't even know what those things are, but apparently it does something there too. So thank you, Tom. So a couple of things I want to talk about the campaign. Um, so first is magic items, because again, anybody who listens to our show has been around for a while knows that I am the anti-magic item DM. I almost never give them out. If I do, they're almost always a magic key and a magic dagger. Like those are, those are standard issue, but beyond that, it's nothing. <laughs> So I always like to ask people, so what is it specifically, if you can think of it, is about a game that you gave a lot of magic items that you think really made the game more fun? Was it the fact that they were not insignificant, but they weren't your standard, this does more damage? Was it because they were tailored to the players? Was it because they could use them to creative, creatively problem solve? What was it you think that made it fun to do that? Yeah, thanks. Um, so, yeah, so these weren't these weren't from the book, right? But I didn't. I tried not to just make them up whole cloth. Like I didn't just say, here's the dagger that does like a made up thing. I took stuff from the various materials. I think some of them were even like, I like worked out the gold prices of them with the, the magic item crafting system or whatever. Um, but it was, it was a little bit of the sort of customizing it for each character and a little bit of, I really like to have, to give players fun things to do. Um, and this was a low-level campaign. We started level one. We made it to like seven, maybe, um, which is great. I love that range, one to six, one to seven. Um, uh, but it means that um, sometimes people like we had like two full spellcasters. Like we had a sorcerer and a druid, um, and then a barbarian and a bard. It was, it was a great, great mix. We did lack a little healing, and then of course, sometimes the spellcasters had a lot of things to do, and the bard and the barbarian had not a lot of things to do. Yeah. Um, so I just like to give them all, I like these little items to give everybody just a fun thing to do. They were usually like a single standard action, like, okay, do a thing. And it was, you know, you can cast healing or somebody, you can make, uh, you can summon an invisible sword, like you can summon a sword of bat, a swarm of bats temporarily. So it was just like random stuff from like actual D&D materials. Um, but it gave everybody a feeling of like being very powerful and having lots of options. And but not giving them any option that was actually overpowering. They actually like broke the you know challenge rating system and the armor class and things of monsters. I got you. Okay. So Ryan, did you have any comments or thoughts there? Uh, you said well, uh, magic items or just a campaign in general? Anything. Um, so you'd mentioned that you had a couple. You had about uh, about four solid players and then a couple floaters. Um, 
going from one to seven, what do you, how do you feel about floaters? Because my home group has, honest to God, like 10 players that float all the time. We, we typically like, there's the same, maybe three of us that play every time we play. And then we have, you know, wives or friends that, that come and go. And we have so much of a big group that uh, most of our, I guess our parties are more like mercenary style so that we can trade in everybody. Yeah. Um, do you, like just personal opinion, um, do you find that that's easy to deal with? Do you find that's hard to deal with? Do, would you, do you enjoy kind of the differences that that brings or um, is it too challenging sometimes as a DM to, to try to get all those personalities to, together? Uh, yeah, I've, I've never had a real problem with like having floating players. Um, I don't think I've ever had like as big a group as that with a lot of floating players as you seem to be dealing with. Um, yeah, but, you know, people it's, it's run, a challenge like, sometimes. Yeah, I can't imagine. But I, I'll say that. And people run like West Marches style games, right? Where you do have a floating pool of players and you just give them a big map and say, here's a bunch of stuff on this map. And there's a bunch of adventure seeds and things to do here. And if you're at this session, you can help decide what to do. And if you're not, then you'll have a fun things to do next week. Um, I think that the biggest problem with having floating players is like, I, I have bad luck in my sessions. It's, I, we often stop in the middle of things, right? We, know, we don't always get to a nice clean cutting point. Fairly common problem, I'm sure. Um, but I basically just hand wave all of them. Like, okay, well, um, you know, Annabelle and Brittany and Chris were here tonight. Um, so you're all three here in the dungeon doing exciting things. And the next week it's, you know, Chris and Denise and Eric. And like, okay, well, Chris and Denise and Eric, you're all here in the dungeon. And Denise and Eric, Chris is going to tell you what happened to all three of you who were here in the dungeon last week. And, you know, we just hand wave it away and say, well, you were all here. Just, you also had goblins to fight earlier and you, you didn't quite help out with the trap or whatever. Just, just, it's not worth trying to maintain verisimilitude for, well, the, the dungeon boat only had room for four people. You said, but how did all eight of us get down here? Like, ah, this is yeah, I, I know I, I've talked about this many times over the, nine almost 10 years this podcast has been going on but one of the worst games i ever played in was tony it's where i met brad it's where i met jared so i'm very happy to be in that game but it 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 actually has given me a lot of fodder to talk about but one of the things that he did that drove me insane was that he would always try to create these story reasons why players were absent or not when that happened like he couldn't just hand wave it he had to come up with these reasons and it got to the point where sometimes those reasons became more important than the whole story so like you know four of us for example were there last week and this week but the majority of the session was used to explain why that fifth person wasn't there none of the other four of us cared because we were there both times but it was like no so we the we, side story became the main story right it, be, it became more or became story. more important it became more like there was more face time at the table given to what was going on versus the main story and that was one of the big things that just drove me insane so and i've always been that way but i'm i'm very much about hand wavy you were there you just didn't do anything. This wasn't your episode. You were in the background. Now exactly. you're coming forward. Now it's your episode. So you get to be be there. I know that it's not the most realistic version and it can break player immersion, which I'm all for player immersion. But I just think it's the reality of the game, the way most of us as adults play. And I'm making wild generalizations here that, you know, maybe we don't get to play for three weeks because of kids or life. And then maybe one person doesn't get to play for four weeks and the other three do. 
but you want to play because you missed. I just think it's it's just part of the game that you just say, you know what? Everybody was always there. You just weren't important that last week and now you are. And if you try to, I mean, unless maybe if someone did it really well, then maybe I would feel differently. But all the examples I have of it are poor, piss poor. Well, and think about cat. Think about ensemble cast TV shows, right? Jordy LaForge is always on the Enterprise. If he doesn't appear in an episode, it just means like he was busy doing chief engineer stuff, like whatever. Picard and Worf had important things to do on the planet, and Jordy's just chilling, working on the warp drive. Like they're all, all like it doesn't. They don't need to come up with reasons why the characters aren't always involved, right? Or, so. or it's just one line. Like when it does, like what well, it does make sense that the chief security officer would be involved in this, but Tasha's on this, you know, station on yeah. sick leave this week or she, whatever. But you don't, we don't need the whole entire episode to just switch to show Tasha going through like a, a normal day at like the doctor's office. You know, like she's getting her checkup, she's picking up her mail and her dry cleaning, and we come back and like the Enterprise is on fire because we missed the stuff that's important. Although, hang on, actually, wait, wait. <laughs> I would watch that great episode of like a character doing really mundane things and then showing up halfway through to like the Enterprise on fire and then having to resolve all of it. That would be great. But Walks probably not for with every a cup of coffee. Like, hey guys, what's up? What did I miss? <laughs> what did I miss? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Somebody's running by. I'll lit- let you guys handle. Literally uh, on fire. Under control. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so okay, so we talked a little bit about magic items. Talked a little bit about uh, rotating players. Was there anything else about that campaign in particular that you felt was like, you know, I want to make sure I do this again because it helped, or was there anything that had to happen that maybe you're like, yeah, we should avoid that. Um. Uh, yeah, I got by one of both those. Um, I'll start with the the, the learning opportunity, uh, which is I had a player who was interested in like engaging in a in a more in like a real relationship with an NPC, and, and you know they when I like have really you know in depth and in, intimate discussions or anything, they just wanted to like engage with this NPC and befriend them and and maybe have a ro- romance, and I was just like I don't. At the time, I was like, "Oh, I don't want to do that." Yeah, and and obviously, you didn't you know, probably see the campaign going that long. <laughs> well, yeah, well, and it was just not something I was super interested in doing, and that's I mean, that's fair. You don't want to put yourself in a position where you're uncomfortable. Um, but I let them, like, I brought that character back, and I let them engage in in, in their relationship with the character. It didn't take up a lot of table time. It was not a big deal for me, but it meant a lot to the player. Like, they remember that NPC really well. Like, they're like, "Oh, yeah." Um, they really enjoyed being able to interact with them and have them come back in later sessions as like a an important NPC because they had a relationship with them as opposed to just because, you know, oh, they were just in the same town as you. Like, oh, no, I was – she came back to help us because she's my friend and because, you know, now we're dating or whatever. Like it was – it was uh, – it was meant a lot more to the player and it wasn't like a big imposition for me. So, uh, yeah, I think – again, this is – it feels like – I'm sure I, this has been covered you, before, you but make like a good point. Yeah. Follow yeah, your players. It's, like, it's important to, yeah, exactly. It's important to pay attention and listen to your players. And sometimes they give you bits on uh, what maybe they want to see happen in the campaign or the way, and they come up with a better idea than you have. But you also want to make sure that you're listening to them and doing, giving them enjoyment out of it. That's what helped that player. I think it's great that you did that. A lot of GMs, Sometimes don't pay attention to those things. And that's what will keep that player playing. It's, a, it's what will keep them coming back. Uh, and like you said, it made a lasting memory for them. So, no, definitely important. Very cool. And it means more when you kill that NPC later. Oh, hey, hey, if the I was not going to go there. 
I could have held them for hostage, held them ransom. Yeah, it would have been a good right, yeah. follow-up to that. Don't have to uh, kill them. Yeah, ransom, I, maim I, them. Killing them outright, that's, uh, that's pretty harsh. Yeah. It's too easy also. Um, the other thing was uh, I did an epilogue for this campaign. I've tried to do that for every everything that I've resolved since, even like like a one shot. I tried to do like um, just something like like something the character wanted that I can give them in the long term, or like okay, uh, what what's something that what's a mistake you made? Like at a um, video game with like multiple paths, like oh well you you ticked off the groundskeeper, so now you're going to get a scene after the game's over about the groundskeeper never forgave you and spent their life trying to you know, defame you in the town square or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't always have to be good news in the epilogue. It can just be like, the world is alive and it did keep going after you yeah. stopped being in charge of your character. That's, it, that's something I've been doing for a while now, mostly like when I do one-shots, like a campaign game, or if I run a one-shot on the podcast, or even just like for funsies, that's, I just, I, I do the thing, it's like, it's like the end of the movie. Freeze frame. It freeze frame, and, you, you know. Want a, you want a finale, you want an ending. Yeah, and it can be, you know, 10 minutes later, and everybody's eating shawarma, or it can be the, <laughs> you know, this person now owns a car dealership in Toronto, and, you know, lives there with his family and he loves it you know so it can be your you get to choose what we see about your character in the future and that tells me a lot about yourself and the character and what you know it can be it's it's freedom to kind of put a button on that character and it can be depressing i've had some that were like you know i lost my wife i lost my kids my job i'm poor i'm just gonna live on the street and others like you know i'm now king of uh you know this kingdom or whatever but it's interesting to give players that freedom to do that and so i'm definitely a fan of give them an epilogue at the end of the game to say okay everybody go around the table freeze frame movie style tell me something about the future of your character i think it's great yeah all right, Ryan, anything else from you? I think we can move on if not. Nope, I'm all for moving on. That's good. Does the fact that we're getting ready to play the second improv game make you want to come up with a question before we move on? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> no, I better ripping off the Band-Aid at this point. It, the, the, um, where my finger's been is, is well, we'll see tonight. Um, it was less challenging last uh last time we were here but it is definitely the least of my at least of the two favorites nice or least favorite of the two there you go words i swear it's only been half a beer it seems to be the audience's favorite but it's definitely not my favorite because i'm terrible at it uh but first couple things i want to say welcome to dirty habanero he's another long time detention regular he he came for most of them when we were doing these regularly and hopefully when we get back to them regularly we will and then I also want to mention that we have a special sponsor for this episode of Where Have My Fingers Been? And that is Craig Campbell from Nerdburger Games. Craig is running a virtual convention this year, as many of us, myself included, will be doing. Um, and he wanted us to just kind of basically give a shout out. Uh, when the show notes come out to this, I will put all the links in there. But uh, the event schedule is out. There's tons and tons of games that are being ran there's a lot of indie games a lot of one-offs and little stuff uh it's from what i understand it's free you just sign up through discord uh so please go check out nerdburger uh you can follow him at nerdburger craig and i think his website is nerdburgergames.com but i also have links to the program and then how to get to the discord so you can sign up so uh thank you craig for sponsoring this segment which everyone loves 
sort of, I guess. Uh, everyone, everyone, the watching it, loves it. The people it is, performing it is it, we, 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 never a favorite. <laughs> it is beloved by certain people. I think you yes. can safely say. Yes. I just think people like seeing me make an ass of myself. Uh, and this is a way to do that. So, Andrew, you once again are our guest. So you can go first, second or third in the Where Have Your Fingers Been game. Well, I don't remember anything about this other than the catchy jingle, so I'll take third, Michael. Okay. I'll go dead last. So then we'll start. You can prompt Ryan. Ryan will prompt me, and then I will prompt you. And just the short, basically, you give him a short scene of where his fingers are. Your fingers are in line at a movie. Your fingers uh, are at the grocery yes. store. And then we do the jingle, and then we have to do a little scene. Unless you're Scott, because then that jerk likes to bring in a third person, because he can do that. <laughs> That's a consummate professional, and he can do what he wants. Uh, or, or how many Scots are there? Okay, I don't know. Yeah, it's kind um, of classic. Oh, see? <laughs> um, okay, Ryan, your fingers um, are... Well, he has, to, sorry, uh, he has to sing first. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry. So, Ryan. All right, so um, help me out here. Where, I say, where have, have my, my fingers been? My fingers been. I said, where have my fingers where been? Where have my fingers been? Okay, you're gonna have to do that. That take two. That that was there was no energy there. I didn't feel it. I need you to. I need to believe that you don't know where your fingers are, or, or where All they right, have been. All right. So make me feel it. And see. all right. All right. I say, oh, where have my fingers been? Oh, where have my fingers been? Close enough. Good enough. Yeah. Uh, that's, I, that's all I got. Your fingers have been at the auto shop uh, trying to get your hover car repaired. Hmm. Okay. Auto shop hover car. All right. Hey, uh, hey, buddy, you almost done with that uh, repair? Uh, yeah, you got the 2034 Chevy... Um, Floatatron. Flight. <laughs> Float yeah, Floatatron. There you go. I like that. Floatatron. Uh, yeah, that one's mine. The one over there, the green one. Yeah. Uh, so it turns out you got a bad hyper wire core, I think, is what the manual said. Wait, what? Manual? What What do you mean? You don't know? Uh, well, according to that, it's, it's bad. So anyways, um, yeah, it's not going to happen unless you got like, you know, 80,000 space bucks. Um, yeah, not doing that. Okay, well, cool. How about this? How about um, I'll keep it for parts, and you can have this cool um, floating surfboard. I, I think I saw that in a really, really old movie once. Uh, that's not going to fit my family of five. Well, that's all I got. I'll, I'll take it. And that's where my fingers have been. Yay! Probably. All right. The perfect so prompt. The, the, the song was weak, but you delivered on the actual scene. Right, I'll the give scene. you credit. That was great. All right, so now, Heaven Arrow says five out of five. Oh, wow. Well, I'm, thank you so much, Heaven Arrow, because I feel like that is my worst of the two. <laughs> um, you didn't miss anything when I did the 10 things. That was terribly slow. So, yeah. awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> Actually, I'm almost sorry now. For 10 things, I, I'll give you 10 out of 10. Because you you got there, but it you took you like it took, it took you like all an right, hour. Fair. Okay. Fair. All right. So give, I'm uh, aces tonight. Very good. Right, give me my prompt. 
Oh, gosh. Um... Where have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been? All right, Michael, your fingers have been um, uh -huh, in uh, digging ditches in a graveyard all day. And uh, the owner said you have to dig one more before you're allowed to leave. Ah, I feel like I've been digging ditches literally all day in a graveyard for some reason. I don't know why I'm digging ditches and not graves. Perhaps there's a storm coming and these are like moats. And somehow the straining of digging has caused my voice to change and I sound sort of like weird somehow. Like Antonio Banderas was like drunk on helium. Uh, I said one more before you go. Off with your head! And that's where my fingers have been. <laughs> Because I don't like endings. Okay. That one got away at the end. I loved it. Five out of five. Five out of four. Okay. Andrew, you... Where oh, no, no. Yeah. Fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been? Your fingers have been trying to convince each other to play a different game, not realizing that each finger is... Say in the same game, but they're just explaining different components of it. Uh, so yeah, I was thinking we'd play like a, a strategy game, something uh, with a real, real great history, uh, uh, a lot of a lot of royal background. Uh, but I was thinking we'd play sort of a a strategic game, uh, a lot of squares, a lot of movement. Uh, no, no, listen, I want a I want a strategy game uh, with a with a lot of nobility behind it uh i want to i want to make machinations i want to sacrifice pawns uh for my noble plots now i want i want to have castles and knights i want to have a real like tactical strategy game uh no no i think what we should play is uh more of a game where you've got religion involved and the state uh, i really think we should play a game uh, where anyone can become the queen of the land or anyone can become anything if they just reach the right position uh well hey that sounds garbage and your game sounds like garbage i guess we'll just play checkers and that's where our fingers been nice nice very good <laughs> Excellent. So now let's move on to mostly the last section. We do a, a Q&A at the end if anyone in chat wants to ask some questions. But uh, before we do that, we go what we call cryptozoology. And that's where we pick out a monster. It doesn't always have to be from D&D, but a lot of times it is. And we are going to talk about said monster, talk about maybe ways we've used this monster in the past, and potentially brainstorm some ways that we could use this monster in the future. And Andrew, once again, you are the guest co-host what monster did you want to talk about? Well, today we're going to be talking about the ogre. Ogres. They're like onions. Indeed, this monster is the most like an onion of any of the monsters. And don't come at me with that multi-layer mimic. Uh, no, the <laughs> ogre is the most like an onion of all monsters. So in 5th edition, the, uh, the ogre can be found on page 237. It is a large, giant, chaotic evil in nature. It is a challenge rating two, which feels low. Uh, it's got 59 mm -hmm. hit points, great club attack, or a it's, javelin it's, attack. It's really dumb. 
it is in fact really really dumb so andrew still start so what is it about ogres that you like so much uh, i like ogres um because uh they are a large monster so it's always great for set pieces really intimidating to see one pop up um and they cannot be pcs don't feel like they can just cow this thing you can't treat you can't like bully an ogre um because it is so big and strong even if it's not very intelligent um but they're as you said like they're pretty low level like they're not actually like that huge a threat they're not giants they're not trolls like they don't have regeneration there's not a lot going on behind the behind the doors there um so it feels like a much bigger more impressive encounter than it really is so you can really start getting in interesting dramatic epic sort of things going at a much lower level uh and then later when when players you know are a higher level and a regular ogre isn't a threat you can start stacking on class levels or templates or you can just throw out like a bunch of ogres now it's like well here's 10 ogres which is like 50 feet of ogre uh so enjoy oh wait uh, how many cubits uh, is that of ogre. yeah how many cubits is that it's like a hundred feet of ogre meat uh and again it feels much more intimidating than it really is um so that's why i like ogres they're okay. easy to they're easy to to they're versatile they're extremely versatile all right so ryan uh, have you had any memorable encounters either as a gm or a player with ogres yeah and i'm glad he he said versatile because we were i mentioned this uh before we started going live but my favorite ogre is the uh the storm king's thunder fifth edition book um the, the ogres in there in a certain city in the game uh early on in this my favorite um the ogres wear backpacks and these backpacks are not your typical backpacks they are catapults and they are made to catapult live goblins over the wall of this city um and it's hilarious because uh the the goblins do damage uh, and they have a chance to live at the end of the landing. Um, so they can then just get up and, well, if they're not completely broken, um, get up and, and start attacking. So um, it, it's honest to God, like the funniest thing ever. I mean, it's um, it's like launching a live cow, you know, uh, over the wall. The funny thing with a catapult. Um, but this is a goblin. So it's really cool to see an ogre because he is really big and strong. They can do kind of unusual things and this uh, this iteration of the ogre i found is one of the, the funniest uh in game and there's nothing like launching goblins over a wall or uh, a couple hundred feet away in the battlefield um and then having to once you, you these flying screaming missiles essentially um come flying at you and then figure out that it's a goblin on the back end that you have to fight too um so no, I, I i do think that they're versatile um that's my favorite iteration of them um I would like to see a smart ogre, um, the different things you could do with that. Smart and big, um, that early on, uh, child rating a two could definitely pose some some threats to use it uh, in a different way. Like you were saying, stack on some uh, class skills or a template or something on top of it. Um, just make it, like it's in intelligence rating, it's five, negative three. That's pretty bad. I mean, if uh, eight is, <laughs> if eight is average, um, or I guess bare minimum. Uh, I mean, good God, what what if this thing was a twelve uh, intelligence? And it, <laughs> um, what if so it was then, a Homer yeah, Simpson uh, level intelligence? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, nothing oh, saying you can't just bump its intelligence. I mean, if you bump it you know, to, yeah. to genius tactical level, you might want to count it as a higher challenge and give more XP for it. But you bump this thing up to a 12 or 13, it's not going to have all the mechanical effect. You're not going to worry about it changing its armor class or its hit points or its attack bonuses or damage or anything. It's just like, well, it's not going to fall for your tricks you thought it was going to fall for. It's not going to buy that you're a caravan of goblins bringing in you know, uh, uh, a catapult. It's not going to buy that you're a herd of sheep if you say ba and march down exactly this is this yeah is i mean it essentially is. becomes a lieutenant or um you know or a captain uh nothing like having a huge big uh ogre as the leader of your tiny army or your squad um instead of you know just a hulking meat shield yeah. or things like that give it a set so. of armor custom large ogre armor now it's uh now it's a wall yeah uh, um, a good way to throw early players for a loop. I'm I'm kind of a fan of ogres as well. They're they they fit a nice niche for me. Where uh, again, I like to run low level games. I particularly like to run like zero level or like you know dirt farmers who go off to save the world. And an ogre is a big enough of a challenge for two or three, four first level characters because if it hits one of them solidly, it can just kill them. At first level, there's a good chance that you're going to at least go to zero, if not outright kill you. So they represent a danger. It represents something that you're going to have to work together. So it can be like a team building type of thing where if we don't work together, we can't win. Uh, it, it lets some, you know, role playing come out because there's always going to be one person who wants to try to trick at the ogre rather than fight it. Uh, so I think they, they're a good low level encounter, but trying to think of ways to use ogres differently than just a sack of hit points. You got to hit till they die. I like the idea of, of an intelligent ogre, but not super intelligent, just intelligent enough to know that, you know, if I show up and act like, oh, I'm going to kill you, that the farmers will probably give me stuff hoping that I won't kill them. So he just goes around like grifting people, you know, it's like he gets a free cow, he gets food, maybe he gets some gold by travelers on the road. But then if he goes against someone who's really tough, he's like runs away or becomes a coward. It's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just wanted some free gold. Like the the encounter that would be where you think, oh, we're going to have to trick this ogre. And the ogre's like in on it. Like, yeah, you need to trick me. Like you need to like give me something not super valuable, but you know, like maybe four chickens. I'd be fine with four chickens, but like it's like a meta conversation about how you trick this ogre and what would be enough. I think that could be a lot of fun to have at the table. I think you made a really good point. I was talking about, uh, and Ryan, we talked about ogres being versatile from a you know from a, a game master perspective. You can, yeah. Right, you can add sort of things to them. It's also uh, gives players a lot of versatility, as you said. It's a low level uh, monster, even if it is, you know, is is a life you know, life-threatening to low-level characters, it gives them a lot of options. Do you want to go straight combat? Do you, it's not very clever. You could try to trick it. Uh, it's a big. You could try to outmaneuver it. Like, it gives you a lot of options. Uh, it's got, you know, it's not super tough. You could probably cast some wild spells on it that would work. Like, it's got a really good chance of failing most of those saving throws. Mm -hmm. So it's really, it's versatile for players, too, especially because you're just giving vanilla ogre. Yeah, I mean, in the in the book, it mentions greedy collectors, so it also gives something. Uh, as a as a GM, you could easily give it something that it's hiding or that, that it's possessed as a bonus to the players. It could be something funny. It could be uh, another character in a cage, uh, or it could be um, a, a pack of. Hey, you just 
became a cow farmer because this thing was hoarding cows for meat. And what are you going to do with all these cows you found? <laughs> Catapult. Uh, so, you know, side business. Here's my, <laughs> here's, here's my, uh, my butcher shop, you know, that I have to run now. Cattle drive. Um, it could be gold, get get you know, cows. it could, yeah. I mean, it could be something completely pointless. Um, like maybe he's got something with, um, He's got a love of moss for a bed or something like that. Um, I, I don't know. Just crazy stuff. I like that idea of maybe giving an ogre a cursed item, like a helmet of uh, idiocy, but it, they're already so dumb it doesn't have any effect. So when the players, they don't realize that it's cursed because they're like, well, the ogre was wearing it and he seemed fine. Uh, but then when they put it on, it makes them as smart as an ogre or as dumb as an ogre. Maybe that's, it's like an ogre helmet. And it, when you put it on, it makes you as smart as an ogre. But because it was already an ogre, it didn't have any it didn't effect. It. Yeah, it didn't have any effect. <laughs> and it's too stupid to take it off. The yeah. helm of ogre's intellect. <laughs> so it looks like this, you know, wicked B.A. helmet with like these big bat wings, you know, very intimidating, cool. It definitely magical. Magic. Definitely magic. But you can't tell what it is because there's no like... Ogre's not faster. It's really already strong, so we can't tell it's stronger. It's already dumb, so we can't tell if it's dumber, but it's like a cursed item. That could be fun. Uh, I had the idea of, of what if, like, a role play scene where there's, like, the ogre who's, like, the runt of the litter and they get picked on. And so they want to set up where, like, they fight you, but you let them win so they can prove that they're tough enough to play <laughs> with the big boy ogres. Or if, and if you double cross them and you start and you really start turning the tables on them, like oh now it's big siblings are going to show up and now you've got you know some ogres that are 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 bigger and tougher. Maybe they've got class levels. Maybe they've got temples. Maybe they're just more ogres and it's too big of a challenge for yeah, you. Yeah, it's the classic. I can say that to my brother, but you can't say that to my brother. So <laughs> you agree to let this ogre beat you up, but then you turn the tables and try to embarrass them, and then like the whole family of ogres are like, hey, that's our little brother. And now you now you have a fight when like you set it up like it's going to be a role play encounter, and then it becomes a fight encounter rather than you it's a fighting encounter that becomes a role-playing encounter i get i love oh, such a, a versatility name of the game Kroger's versatility yep all right so we'll just throw out the chat if, if anyone in chat has had any particular interesting encounters with ogres or any ideas for interesting encounters with ogres please let us know uh, but otherwise we're going to move into the last part of the show and that's our audience q a so again there's four or five of you hanging out with us tonight do you have any questions for any of us or for all of us? It doesn't have to be D&D or RPG related, though that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but yeah, and I know there's a, there's a little bit of a delay. So while we're waiting for chat to maybe catch up. So Andrew, one more time, where can people find you on the internet? Great. Uh, I'm at that one GM, spell out, spell it all out, T-H-A-T-O-N-E-G-M uh, on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at that one GM dot itch dot IO. That's where all my games are. Um, they're almost all free. The two that aren't free have free copies available if you don't have the money or if you're just like, I'm not going to spend money on this unless I know it's good. Um, I, I retweet a lot of stuff. Um, some of it's role-playing related, some of it's not. So if you really are just focused on role-playing, go to my Itch page, look at all the garbage I've got there. It's fun. It's free. It's weird. You'll like it, maybe. Nice. And if you've not heard our Trial of Wushu episode... Oh. I cannot, <laughs> cannot recommend it highly enough. I will say the first half hour or so of the first episode is slow because the players, we were kind of overwhelmed by the just complete openness. We could literally be anything that we wanted. But once we settled on the premise, 
that game takes off and it is still one of my favorite role-playing experiences I've ever had. It was amazing. But that first half hour can be a little rough to get into. Fast forward until you start hearing about talking about trench coats or uh, Tyrannosaurus Rexes or any celebrity names. Once you hit celebrity names, like you're in it. Go back 10 minutes, five minutes, and you're right in it. Yep. All right. So, Ryan, uh, again, let everybody know where they can find you on the internet if they want to hang out with you or get a hold of you or something like that. Oh, um, I am a busy man, and uh, but <laughs> um, I am at Teleporta on Twitter, um, also on Instagram, and I do I try to help out here as much as RPG Academy as I can. Uh, um, always been a part of Academy's the last couple of years. I've got a few articles around. Uh, I try to do stuff like this for detention. Um, there will be a review of the Theros coming out that I'm going to be, write something up for. Um, so if you're looking for something like that, um, I try to do those things. Um, and I will say Nate, uh, New York Tater did ask a question in, uh, in chat that we should probably cover. Yeah. Uh, so New York Tater asked, what do you think the future of in-person play will look like for places that rent space or bars that promote game playing? Uh, Andrew, I'll start with you. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, I think... Once, once those places are open for in-person business and they, we, they are allowing people back in, uh, I think they're still going to have a lot of social distancing rules. But um, something we've seen at uh, school, elementary schools and places that are, are preparing to have people back in person is like plexiglass barriers or um, like vinyl sheeting. And you've seen this at grocery stores and gas stations and things too where people where there is face-to-face interaction. You can't really avoid it. Um, I think that would be an option for some instances. I think it'd be hard to play board games, the plexiglass barrier. Um, but I think there are there are some options that places might go up. I, the concern, of course, is that they just canceled. They said, listen, it's not worth it. Uh, you can't do it here. So we're just going to focus on whatever our prime thing is, right? Coffee or internet access or alcohol, whatever the, the other space is for. So. What about you, Ryan? What do you think about that? Um, so, uh, so as uh, as a person that goes out and does uh, games, because the RPG Academy before this uh, hosted a monthly game night at one of our local uh, friendly gaming stores, um, and I was one of those guys that regular attended with Tom, um, I think it's going to be rough. It's going to be a l- so on the from a store owner point of view. I don't think that a lot of them are going to want to do it and jump into it right away because of uh, liability, I guess. And that's what a lot of businesses are worried about. Um, from a player point of view, I love in-person gaming and it really is going to come down to the, each individual's um, feelings and they, are they comfortable? Or are they not? Is it uh, what level of kind of, um, I'm not, I don't want to use the word paranoia, but just kind of worry that that would come with that. So even though, um, and I think it's going to take some time to get these these spaces available and up and running um, and just pe- people comfortable with that idea again. Uh, I think a lot of gaming is going to take place in person in people's homes and friends groups and say, I'm uncomfortable. Everyone's feeling well. You know, let's give this a shot and see how it goes. But I do think it's going to take a while for that to calm down. Um, I'd much rather game in person and, and sit around and actually have live interaction with uh with people. Um, this is great. Don't get me wrong. Um, it's what we're, you know, dealing with now, mm-hmm. but you know, there's nothing, nothing will ever take the place of an in-person live game, um, where you can uh, argue and laugh and tell a joke and be silly. Um, 
and have the multitude of distractions. Uh, I think it'll really take a lot. Um, and I hope we get back to that sooner than later, uh, once everything is, is kind of figured out. But um, it, it ultimately is going to come down, I think, to individuals' uh, level of comfort. Yeah, it's, I mean, it is such a difficult thing. Um, I don't know, again, I mean, and for, for whatever reason, it has somewhat become a political issue on how you feel about the various protections that we can do and can take. And, you know, and that's part of the problem is that you can do everything right, but if someone else in your group isn't, then they can put you at risk. Like, you know, I have two kids and I have a wife. I don't want to get sick because I don't want them to get sick. You know, so like I might be able to go hang out with my friends and play an in-person game thinking, well, all my friends have told me they've all been, you know, basically quarantining. They all feel safe. So if we get together, we should be okay. But if I take something back home to my kids, like I would never forgive myself as much as I love role-playing games. If, one of my kids gets this and dies because I could not hang out with my friends. I'm never getting over that. So I'm not going to do that. Uh, See, I, and that's a, that's a, that's a fair point, Michael. Sorry to interrupt. But, no, that's fine. Uh, so same condition that you're in wife, two sons. Um, but my wife is a nurse and she's already been exposed and quarantined because of this. Um, so, you know, and it becomes a personal thing where it's like, well, she was exposed and she, we knew, we didn't know about it for a couple of days. So chances are I was exposed. So now I feel like personally, my chances of, of contracting it and, and being affected by it are a little less um, than most people because once she's always, she's been a nurse for 11 years. If I, and I was a fireman. So if I haven't been exposed to something yet, like I kind of feel like, well, I'm not going to say I'm invincible, but right. um, you know, it, it feels like you're not going to get the worst end of things. Right. But so that, the, the concern there though is up and skews the thing. I just saw a, a post that somebody has been diagnosed with it for the third time. So even if you get it, you don't become immune to it. You can get it again. Yeah. So even if you didn't get it the first time, <laughs> so, so I mean, realize that I think the short answer is probably a lot of those places are going to go out of business unless they can shift. Like Andrew was saying, like maybe they're, their prime business is food or alcohol, and even those businesses are still struggling. But until we get an actual vaccine, I don't know that we're going to go back. And I'm I, I'm still hopeful that we will get that, that we will get there within a year, that we will have a, a viable vaccine or some other way to mitigate, like, you know, a more resistant sort of thing. Like we, we get things figured out, but, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate that I – don't have to work. My wife works from home. We don't have to go out if we don't want to. I go to the store about once a week and I wear my mask and I wear gloves and I wipe down everything with Clorox wipes. And, you know, I think we're, we're as cautious as we probably can be without not having any outside contact. And I still get worried. Yeah. Um, you know, mm -hmm. so I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I, I, I wanted to have a catacomb this year. I wanted to have a faculty retreat. I'm very upset about this. But I also am not so upset that I'm going to do something stupid and put myself or my family at risk over it. Well, I think you mentioned earlier, I mean, talking about online conventions, uh, I mean, those are becoming more, you know, common, more frequent in the last few years. Uh, obviously, a lot of them are going to be online now. I think that's going to open the door for a lot more uh, online experiences, online opportunities. I mean, if you're a comic book store or a game store, you know, 
pay one of your pay one of your people to do a four-hour game session every week online. There's a lot of free apps out there that'll do it. You can do Zoom for like 40 minutes. You can even without paying any money, you could do a whole bunch of Microsoft and Google or whatever, Facebook. Um, I mean, like the tools are out there for free. There are better tools if you're willing to pay any money into it. There are other more specific tools that aren't expensive that are still free, Tabletop Simulator and Roll20 and all these websites. I think that maybe we'll see a lot more of those coming up um, for places like comic book stores and game stores. I don't know if libraries and, and bars and things are going to get into that, but. I think that's the opportunity that I agree with Ryan. I think getting together around a table is better than virtual, but I think virtual is pretty darn good. Like I, I enjoy playing virtually. So I think the opportunity is how do we make virtual feel more like real? So like, you know, who, who did a uh, online campaign once a week, basically for three and a half years. Like, yeah, we had, we had in jokes, we had references, like it was goofy. Um, I don't feel like we're missing anything that I don't feel like I was missing anything that I wouldn't have gotten around the table other than a bag of Doritos in the center that I could have, you know, gotten mm -hmm. at any point. Like I had to get up and go get stuff out of the kitchen if I wanted something, but like, I think it takes time, more time to get there virtually than it does in a real space. Uh, there are still limitations, but I think you can get, you know, short of, again, short of like everybody reaching for the bag of Doritos at the same time, I think you can get mostly the same experience um, once you get comfortable. I, th well, I think there's, a, there's an, it's just as a, I'm a extroverted introvert or an introverted extrovert. I don't know how it works, but <laughs> I'm one of those because I, I have tendencies of both, but I do get an energy. Like when I sit around a table with people, I feel more energized that the people around me i can i can read them better uh to make sure that you know we're i'm you know like the game is going in in the right way and there's something about you know being 20 minutes into a game going you know what i'm not feeling this just reaching over and grabbing something throwing it on the table and be like oh let's play this instead <laughs> and so those are things that you can't really do but i think the other the things that are good about it are maybe more than make up for those opportunities. Like again, being able to play Marvel legendary and not having to sort all my cards when I'm done and immediately play again. That's pretty darn cool. I really like that a lot. So I don't know. I feel like we, we kind of went not on a down note, but I mean, this is serious stuff. People are dying. People are getting sick and even people who get better again, the articles I'm reading, there's people who get over it, who have everlasting damage to their body. So it's not like they're just over it and they're ha la la, you know, uh, so it's serious. So I, I want people, please take this serious. Wear masks. Take care of yourself. It's it's literally the least that you can do. Uh, but we're going to end things there. Thank you, everyone who joined us tonight in chat. I really appreciate it. We should be back in a couple weeks. Uh, I'll be here for sure. Ryan will probably be here, and we'll hopefully have another third guest that will do at least half a good of a job as Andrew did here tonight. Uh, and, and join I got big shoes to fill next time around. <laughs> yeah, but join our Discord, join our TTS channel, and get on some gaming with me because I'm on there all the time playing Marvel Legendary and other things, and it's it's a lot a lot of fun. Uh, but uh, one last time around the table, Andrew, say goodbye to everybody, then Ryan, and then I'll wave us out. Goodbye to everybody. Ryan, thanks for joining everybody. Glad to see you. Yep, and me. See you guys. Bye bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize, but there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. 
You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.